sun is setting in the west, the shadows are growing tall. A bad moon's on the rise tonight, the chiller of the night call. Tonight the graves are opening up, the strangest sights are seen. Keep all doors and windows locked this night of Halloween. Hello everybody, how are you doing? Welcome back to another episode of 40 Going On 14, and this week we are talking about scary movies. Yes, Halloween Horror Palooza, part one of two. One of two, and uh, we're talking about movies that scared us when we were kids, and movies that scared us now when we're uh, technically adults. Technically. Here are the rest of the crew. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I'd just like to thank the stranger who called me to ask me to check on the children. They're fine, thanks. <laughs> and we're not just all talking over Pat. Pat is not going to be joining us this week. He's on his way yes, to Pat. Chicago from Texas. Yes, so he will be in here in person. Oh, Jesus. Not that it'll matter to you guys, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> so, there you go. So, Mike, I, I hear on the interwebs that uh, you've got a new feature for us this week. We do. We have a new feature uh, released this week in 1980s. Uh, we are going to look over some, since 1986 seems to be a rounded around number for us being 14. Uh, this week in 1986, music, TV, and movies. Ready guys? You like yeah, that? Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Alright. In music, on October 20th, 1986, the song Notorious by Duran Duran was released. I was a big Duran Duran fan when I was a kid. Yeah. And a, and eventually I discovered that the guy who introduced me to them became a hairdresser. Why does so, neither of those things surprise me? <laughs> not at all. The other thing that came out uh, in I was 11. October. You were 11. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. I, I, I um, think I was well, like eight. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> we're doing the approaching 40. Thing, no, no right? I was 10. That's right. Just like we're not actually 40, 10. but the show title is 40 going on 14. So it's all good. So yes. keep going. So, and the TV shows, 10... Uh, October 6th, 1986, Double Dare. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, that's... Yeah. When it comes to the Duran Duran's song, I don't know anything that you couldn't find on Wikipedia, but I, I remember, I, I loved me some Double Dare. Oh, Double Dare was the best. That's why, you know, the slime, everybody wanted one of those, like, obstacle courses in their backyard, and the trivia was actually pretty dang good. Who was the host of Double Dare, do you remember? As we yeah. frantically Wikipedia. Yep. Oh, I just... Yeah, you'll have, to, you'll have to forgive me, because I just wrote down Double Dare. Oh, it's um, Summers. Thank you. Matt I couldn't remember his name. Mark Summers. Yeah, and uh, he is currently the host of Unwrapped on the Food Network, which is maybe my favorite Food Network show. My favorite part of it was that there was a grown man that could ask children if they wanted to do the super sloppy double dare and not get tossed into prison. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> there were different. There were different versions of the show. There was double dare, then there was super sloppy double dare, then there was family double dare. And then there was Family uh, till in 1988, and then in 1990, Family Double Dare came out. Uh, interesting fact about Double Dare is uh, Mark Summers actually suffered from OCD, and uh, he had a very <laughs> difficult time, like even touching people or getting himself dirty, which a show which slimes the contestants regularly is not a great career choice, I'd think. But yeah, you think you'd mention that on the resume? Uh, apparently, it, uh, it it worked, it helped him work through his uh, problems, and he wrote. A- Talk about it. Oh, really? So, I will have to look that up. I'm sure that's there's some seriously cool uh, stories behind what went on on that show. And Joel, this one's for yes. you. On the 24th of October last year, the movie Trick or Treat came out. Oh, wait, la- is that last year? No, 1986. Oh, okay. What did I say? You said last year. I did. 
Oh my God. Living in the past, Mike. <laughs> Starring Mark Price, Tony Fields. It also had his friend Gene's nuke. Gene Simmons was in this one. Just did. It's been. Uh, I'm the only one that saw. No, that. it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I honestly don't even remember the story. But I remember when it came out. I mean, I, I remember the poster, and I know I've seen it. I just don't remember much about it. Yeah, it was. That was the big. The big call on that one was that it had. Um, crap. Ozzy Osbourne, because I know Ozzy no, was in it. I thought Ozzy was in it. I, I thought only. Yeah, Ozzy was in it too, and Gene Simmons was in it. No, no, no. There's another one where with Ozzy Osbourne in it. Gene Simmons, because I mean, he's not even here. You think he'd be in the. The starring. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy so. was just a cameo, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I only have a vague recollection of this, aside from the fact that there was a big hubbub about it, because the advertising seemed to suggest that uh, Ozzy and uh, <clears throat> Gene, Simmons Gene Simmons had a much more prominent role in the film than they actually had. There we go. Notorious Double Dare and Trick or Treat. Hooray for the first... Uh... First run on that so, one. So yeah, that's a, a look back to this week in 1986. Now I've got Notorious stuck in my head, by the way. No, you I don't. do. No? No? I don't? Notorious? <laughs> you're an ass. See what I did there? <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I love you, Mike, but you're an ass. I have the Notorious B.I.G. stuck in my head. I love it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> Moving on to our main topic, movies, then and now, what scared us? So, um, discussing... Talking about planning the show back the, back a couple weeks ago, we were talking about things that we could do just for Halloween. And uh, one of the realizations that I think Joel brought up was that our tastes in what scared us has changed between when we were 14 and uh, 10 for Josh and uh, to now. <laughs> and I, I, and, I think uh, it might be something that I want to mention later on is, is, is there anything that scared you then that still scares you now? So just something to add on there if we have time. Yeah, there's some things back then that still, still kind of freak me out. That's still, I mean, I would say full on scare, but, but yeah, one of the things, I mean, like I had been thinking about it when I was choosing my movies and then, you know, just putting on movies and watching in general, but Josh, I've got you up. Yeah. What's interesting about this topic is, uh, for a long time, uh, in the period we're talking about when I was like 14 and a little bit younger, I actually was not really allowed to watch R-rated movies, which pretty much cuts out all of the uh, horror genre. Uh, I mean, my, my parents even vetted Gremlins before I got to see it. But Poltergeist was, was PG. Did you see that? I did not even see Poltergeist. I, I was not allowed. Wow. Now, wow. The, the first uh, horror film I could think of that uh, my parents knew I saw was I went to the theater with my dad to see Nightmare on Elm Street. I believe it was five. Uh, it might have been four. But that doesn't mean, just because I wasn't allowed, that doesn't mean I didn't watch them. And the one I can remember very vividly as a young child being able to sneak away and watch beginning to end was Halloween 3, The Bastard Child of the Series, Season of the Witch. It's the only one of the Halloween movies not to feature Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, the least grossing in terms of box office. It is uh, widely regarded as the uh, weakest of the series. And uh, incidentally, it's actually probably my favorite. Is it because of the Irish? Yeah. It, it also, we were talking about this before the show, is uh, watching it today, I didn't realize that it is the uh, horror movie not named Leprechaun that is most racist towards the Irish. So what is it specifically about the movie that freaked you out? I mean, I, 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 I give, us, give us a... Halloween, yeah. Halloween, <laughs> it's yeah. gotta be Halloween. that. Well, there's that. <laughs> I think 
uh, the iconic scene of Bud Jr. wearing the pumpkin mask and the uh, silver shamrock emblem actually going off. And that whole horror, that's probably the biggest single reveal in the entire film uh, with the yeah. creepy music, which I think we can play a little bit of right here. Yeah, hey. There we go. <laughs> it's almost time, kids. All right, so be in front of your TVs. He's getting that scared. Is- well, the good news is Notorious isn't stuck in my head anymore. <laughs> so give me give me a little rundown on the plot here. Okay, so basically, the beginning, you've got a guy running away from these guys in suits that are chasing him. And he's clutching a Halloween mask, talking about they're going to kill us all. Uh, he makes it to the hospital where he is treated by a doctor who's got his own problems. He's got an ex-wife and a couple of kids and yada, yada, yada. Well, he is murdered by one of the guys in the suits in a particularly gory way. The guy, like, reaches into his eye sockets and, like, pulls out the middle part of his skull, like, where that you've got, like, the nasal cavity and all that. And then the guy who murders him uh, walks into his car with the doctor and nurse looking on in horror, pours gasoline over himself, and lets, lights himself on fire. This is a Christmas you movie. Had my, you've got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> so the daughter of the guy who was murdered shows up. She's a hot 20-something. So the doctor pretty much immediately abandons his kids and his ex-wife to go on a mystery-solving tour with her to the facility that makes the masks, a uh, facility run by an Irishman. It's pretty much an all-Irish company town. Uh, this company is Silver Shamrock, and they meet a cast of characters who meet their end in various ways at the hand of the mysterious suited men and discover that basically the plot is you've got an Irish prankster who has said that uh, Halloween and the Festival of Samhain is it's the stars are right for a blood sacrifice to be made so that Masks have a microchip and a little chunk of uh, stolen stone from Stonehenge, which somehow are able to be triggered into a laser that fires into the kids' heads and makes, like, snakes and spiders and crickets and such Ooh. come out of their head. Whoops, Nanny. Yeah, so the uh, ah, exact I, Irish I, magic Oh, there. man, you know that, that, that whole scene where he's sitting in front of the TV just popped into my head. The little boy? I, I I remember seeing yeah the little boy with the with the with the pumpkin head hat on right. right and then you've oh. you've got the ending where the bad guy basically wins because though the hero gets away and starts frantically calling everyone to tell them to yank the commercial uh, kids nationwide are sitting with the masks on and every time uh, including his own children there every time they can't find the commercial it's been built up so much. Uh, they change the channel, and he doesn't get to... He gets to all but one of the television stations. And the movie cuts out with him screaming as the uh, as the commercial airs. And his Spoilers. kids are watching it. This this film uh, kind of shows the reason why I wasn't allowed to watch horror films, because I tortured my younger brother. <laughs> Wait, uh, because of the movie, or just in general? Well, just in general, but in particular with this movie. I mean, we had bunk beds, and I would be going... To the point where I could make him cry just by going... That's awful. 
<laughs> can you? Is this still now that you could do this? To I don't him? think so. Because that would be fantastic. He's got three no. kids. Nothing scares him now. Oh yeah, that does. You it. should next time you see him, they'll go boop 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 and see. <laughs> he might just punch me. <laughs> you know what's strange is I did not know number one that that was on your list because I hadn't looked at the notes yet. Number two, I didn't know you were watching it. I watched it last night as well. And so it's really fresh in my mind. And so when you're talking about it, I mean, I literally just watched it last night. That's strange, but I like it too. It's not my favorite in the series, but I, I definitely enjoy it still. It's an underrated classic. Absolutely. Despite all the racism towards the Irish. Right. And the fact that people get mad at it because of the calling itself Halloween. But. Right. Well, and they were originally going to attempt to make it an annual tradition where it would be Halloween themed tales. Uh, but without Michael Myers and people just, that's not what they wanted. They wanted the slasher flick. They wanted the messed up Captain Kirk mask painted white. So nowadays, now if you, after you watched it, what's your feelings on it now? Still kind of freaky? Yeah, I mean, it's a little cheesy in spots and, uh, looking at the main character, seeing what an actual terrible father he was, was something that I always missed. Uh, I mean, granted, it's not like he had a great relationship with his ex, but basically, hot 20-year-old comes around and uh, he, at the first hint that he might be able to accompany her on a little trip, he's like, yeah, those promises I made to see my kids, those are pretty much out the window. We're, we're going on a mystery quest. Jinkies. Yeah. And by the fact also <laughs> that she just lost her dad in a very horrific manner, and he's like, let's bone. Well, she was down. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, she was wounded and he took advantage. Well, that's true. That asshat. It's also on the short list of movies, uh, like I said, where it's the only one in the Halloween uh, series, in fact, where the bad guy wins. Yeah, but Michael like I... Michael pops up at the end of every movie. He didn't die. Sure, but they defeat him, even, even though there's always the twist. It's like, oh, it's not really over. There's still the, Michael's trying to do something on Halloween, he kills a bunch of people, and at the end they stop him. At this one, uh, the bad guy's got his plans, and by the end, the bad guy kills all the kids and turns their head into snakes and spiders and stuff. So. That's sad. Yeah. Well, all right, so Josh is up for... Josh has got the Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, for the old scary movie, and uh, I've got myself down for the next one. How uh, Are you guys fans of the TV show Twilight Zone? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I watched it when have I was good. Have you seen the movie? No. Wait. I have. Maybe. You have. That movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. We actually, I did not have those rules about not seeing scary movies when you were growing up, Josh. In fact, my mom actively took me to, you know, to scary movies. In fact, even as far as say, we went to go see Ghost Story, which had, um. Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire in it, yeah. You know, it was, it was creepy. It was, it was spooky. It wasn't bloody, but Twilight Zone, the movie. See, here's a story. Back when this came out, uh, we weren't exactly running at full force on, funds so my mom said to me and my sister she was currently pregnant with my little brother and i'm sorry mom if you listen to this was huge <laughs> i mean i mean just like like gargantuan now my brother was born at the end of the summer which meant my mom had to live through this hot summer while being pregnant so she came to us and she said look we have two choices we don't have air conditioning in the house so we can either eat lunch or go sit in an air-conditioned movie theater for the evening or for the afternoon. So we were, we were down with the movie theater. We're like, screw lunch. We're just going to go sit in a cold movie theater and relax and be comfortable for a little while. So we drove to Lombard, Lombard, uh, uh, Yorktown theater okay. in Lombard. And we came in and as we came in, we were watching the opening credits. We had gotten there just a little bit too late and the opening credits had started playing. And I don't know if 
the way this movie was set up was there was a a prologue and an epilogue with the initial beginning of it had um uh Dan Aykroyd in the very beginning driving in a car with Albert Brooks. Now the two of them are going over and they're in the opening sequence they're singing movie theme songs to each other back and forth and they're trying to remember and guess which movie you know which TV show this was until finally one of them does the the Twilight Zone movie. Now we're walking into the theater while this is happening. It's dark. Everyone's waiting for the monster to pop out of the back seat. Sure. Everyone just, you know, because you know something's going to happen. So while this is going on, my mom is walking down the aisle, eyes glued to the scene, to the, to the screen, and she reaches down to what she thought was an empty chair <laughs> and grabs this poor guy by the shoulder out of the blue, just, <clears throat> and this guy did that, you know, just that, like, that goofy yell. <laughs> you know, my, yeah, my mom almost had my brother right there. <laughs> Because, you know, it scared the crap out of me and my sister, and we're already, you know, wound up because we know something's going to happen. So we finally find a seat after scaring this poor man into almost a heart attack. Sit down. Now, Joel, you haven't seen the movie? I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm kind of waiting to hear the storyline because it's the one with the the thing on the plane wing, right? Yes, yes. There's, that's part of it. It's, it's actually uh, four segments. But in the very beginning, uh, they have this pre- prequel, and they're going back and forth. And finally, Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd get into the, hey, he, uh, Dan Aykroyd says to me, you want to see something really scary? And no spoilers here for a 20 plus year old movie, but Dan Aykroyd leans in, turns his head, and then comes back at Albert Brooks, and he is this horrendous monster. And then he eats Albert Brooks. Now here for this story from my mother, my sister and I immediately stood up and began to leave. <laughs> we were like, all right, we'll forget this. We're, we're out. We're gone. No, we were forced to sit back down. But the thing out of all of them, there was actually four segments. There was the one, uh, with the going back to Vietnam where the racist gentleman learned what it's like to be all the different, uh, races where he, you know, he winds up being seen by everybody else around him as an Asian or a Vietnamese and, uh, as a black man, which had John Larroquette as a KKK member. So that was kind of weird. It's like quantum leap meets uh karma's a bitch oh, okay sure sure pretty much um the first sequence was directed by joe dante gremlins uh and yes the gremlins guy no no jump back uh not joe dante uh john landis oh okay john landis directed the first the prologue in the first segment this first segment also has the uh, the big um infamous uh helicopter accident sure. yes. where there was yeah. actually deaths on set yeah, the actor Vic Morrow and two kid actors died when the when this uh, helicopter stunt crashed and uh, killed, um, led into a whole bunch of problems because the child actors were actually hired illegally. So there's by the end of it, nobody was found guilty. So, but that's a conversation for another time. The second group, second one was Kick the Can. Steven Spielberg directed that one, and that one was a group of people at an old age home. This one had Scatman Crothers coming in as the whimsical, uh, fairy-like gentleman who just gets introduced to everybody in this old folks' home who have their own quirks. You have the, you know, the guy who's used to be a, an adventurer in Europe. You have the the, the brother and not brothers, the husband and wife who have been together forever, and all these different cat- different uh, people, including the cranky old man who wants nothing to do with anybody. Scatman Crothers convinces them to come out and play kick the can with him. And when they play kick the can, they all revert to being young. Come on, man. Come outside, play kick the can. And then he takes an axe to the chest. 
Have you ever heard Scatman Crothers? That was my best impersonation. That was that was a horrible. You do a much better Scooby Doo than you do Scatman Crothers. Come on, guys! Come on, guys! So there's that. Yeah. So there's that learning. So well, on on a, on a whim, that was pretty cool. The next one was It's a Good Life, and this is the one that scared the crap out of me. Even I want to I don't say even more than Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet, which was the one with John Lithgow. John Lithgow on the yeah uh, redoing the one redoing the uh, TV episode that had William Shatner in it. Right, most but, of these were remakes or inspired by episodes, if I recall. Yes. So I'm going to send you a link of what scared me in uh, on Google there. Now that's a link to pictures of the thing that scared me in this scene, and it was the rabbit. Oh, okay, that's that was going to be my guess because that's the iconic image from the film. There's two things you think, three things you think of: the thing on the wing, the rabbit, and the death of Vic Morrow and the two kids. Yeah, the thing on the wing scared me, but it's I don't think it would have scared me worse if you hadn't paired it up with this damn rabbit. The scene itself, I mean, it has... Uh, That'd be Kevin McCarthy as Uncle Walt? Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, Uncle Walt. Yes, that's right. He, um, The kid, the idea in this one is that the kid gets his wish. So no matter what he wishes for, he gets it. So when you come into the house, everything's kind of kiddish. You have cartoons playing on TVs in every room, and everyone has... We have dinner and it's all candy and gummy bears and all this stuff. So everything you would, a kid would want to have. I do remember this, by the is, way. Yeah. And then he says, after dinner, well, you know, Uncle, uh. No nose. Yes. Yeah. Uncle No nose. He's going to pull out a rabbit. No, on um, The Good Life, it, he has, um, Kevin McCarthy, Uncle Walt, wants to do, ma- he tells him to do a magic trick and he reaches in to this hat and these people are terrified by this kid because he always gets the, uh, he always gets what he wants. The hat trick, and he pulls out a rabbit from the hat, and then he puts it back in, and the second he puts it back in, this horrendous demon rabbit jumps out. I may have peed <laughs> when that when that sucker popped out. Hey, Rocky, out. watch pull a rabbit out of my head. Yeah, just like that, except the rabbit is a demon. The last one was actually directed by Joe Dante. Okay. So, which makes okay. sense, because, you know, very gremlin-esque. John Lithgow... Like I said, it's the guy who hates flying, is afraid of flying up on up in the airplane, sees something on the edge of the edge of the wing, and it turns out to be this gremlin. One of the cooler things that freaked me out on this one was when John Lithgow finally gets calmed down and he gets his little blanket and he's trying to put himself back to sleep and he's resting and relaxing and all that, and the window slot is shut. So he keeps going over and he like he wants to open it. He has to check on it. It's this progression of you know okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna touch it not gonna touch it, not gonna touch it until finally he rolls over flips this thing up and the gremlin is right there in the window <laughs> and he's slimy and it looks imagine uh Gollum on a really bad day right okay okay one of the things that they did is they cut to a, a cut to a shot outside the airplane window of john lithgow and there was a made up it was a, a prosthetic face and when they have this John Lithgow scream that goes out, they cut to this image from outside outside the airplane, and they inflated John Lithgow's eyes. They had, like, balloons in there or something. <laughs> it was, to make his eyes kind of bug out of the mask? And not just bug out. I mean, they popped clean out of their sockets. And then that was the, that was the other thing that, you know, at that point, I was just, like, trying to get the hell out of the theater. <laughs> but it was like, why are you doing this to me, Mom? I was like, you will but, watch uh, this and eat your vegetables. So. All right, moving on. Anyway, you were saying his eyes popped out of his head. 
his eyes popped out. So, but yeah, that's that's my scary one. And to this day, I even have a hard time watching that damn movie because of that rabbit. And you know what? What's funny is, uh, you think the the Simpsons they did a take on that with Mole Man, where he's driving on next next to the bus and he's driving a well. There's a there's the gremlin on the bus and Bart keeps telling him that there's oh, a gremlin yeah. on the bus. And then Mole Man drives by and the gremlin gets on his car and the car he's driving is a gremlin and is a gremlin and then he crashes and but anyway so joel you're the horror movie did you just call him a i horror? am uh yeah uh, yeah no i, I i'm what's scared i'm you? definitely the, the horror guy in the bunch and for me i mean horror goes back as long as i can remember because my dad used to have um old 16 millimeter films that we had a projector and a screen that they would use uh for home movies on but he had got these i don't know where he got them but he had like Bride of Frankenstein and um, a couple other monster movies and stuff. And I used to watch those <clears throat> when I was a kid. So, you know, I started out young with the, the the black and white horror movies. But as I got older, I started to get more interested in other, you know, the newer stuff. And I remember my brother had a, a copy of it was either F- uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland or Fangoria magazine. And in the magazine, one of the articles I had was for Motel Hell. And that's not the movie that I'm going to mention, but I just have to kind of lead up to where I'm going with this. The, the, the picture of Rory Calhoun with the, you know, with the pig head standing next to his crazy ass big wife just freaked the heck out of me. And it kind of steered me away from scary movies anyway. I was still into like Halloween and stuff for a long time. But then in 1984, I saw a commercial and this particular commercial, if you've ever seen it, the the way the old new line the way they used to do their intro even just seeing that makes me think of this commercial it was for Nightmare on Elm Street and I thought I was going to never sleep again literally after I <laughs> saw that commercial because it was quite possibly the scariest thing I ever saw um, I remember shortly after I saw it for the first time I went uh, to my grandmother's house we had gone up there for I don't know when it, the movie came out in November of eighty four so might have been Thanksgiving and I was sleeping in one of the rooms and they're like a guest room and the closet door was open just a little bit. And I swear Freddie was looking out of the closet at me. <laughs> I, I could not <laughs> sleep. It was probably my brother. It was Mr. No Nose. It was Mr. No Nose. No, it was probably my brother. But anyway, it, it freaked me out. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. So later on, I finally saw the movie. Now, if you're not familiar with the movie, of course, it spawned uh, six other sequels, actually seven, if you count Freddie versus Jason. And it's uh, been a franchise, including a remake now that uh, didn't go anywhere. But the original movie starts out with Tina, who's a blonde haired, uh, hot high school student. You know, I could say that because I was like just a kid at the time. Ten. And uh, she's being stalked around her school in the boiler room by a guy with uh, razors on his fingers, as they say. She wakes up and tells her friend Nancy about it. And she says she wants her to, you know, come over and stay the night because it's been going on and, um, Nancy's saying she's having the same dreams, so they bring uh, her boyfriend over, Glenn Lance, who's played by Johnny Depp back before he was famous, and uh, mm-hmm. they have a sleepover, and then Tina's on and off again boyfriend comes over. They go upstairs, they get naughty, um, and then she proceeds to go to sleep, in which Freddy comes in and kills her in a very gruesome way, in which uh, he drags her around the room, all around the room, including the ceiling and the walls, uh, slices her open, and they literally blood just pours out of everywhere um and her boyfriend meanwhile is unable to leave the room is freaking out glenn and nancy are both there trying to get in and can't when they finally get in tina's dead the room is extremely bloody and uh her boyfriend uh is leaving the house rod is his name he uh, 
uh, is rushing out of the house and running away and telling him that he didn't do it. Um, and then the police come. They, of course, start looking for Rod because they blame him. Um, then Nancy, the next day, goes back to school. Everybody's sad because, you know, poor Tina died. Nancy falls asleep, has a run in with Freddie, um, wakes up. She's got a burn on her arm where she actually burned herself in the dream, realizes that it's all real and decides that, you know, she can't go to sleep anymore because if she does, she might die just like Tina. Hmm. So she asks Glenn to come over and, um, you know, watch, uh, as he sleeps, um, or as she sleeps, he hesitates, eventually comes over and she goes to sleep because he's not really paying attention. So, uh, they, Glenn. I know Glenn, you damn Johnny Depp. Classic I love Johnny Depp, Glenn. by the way. <laughs> Classic. He was my boyfriend in grade school. So then, um, they, when she falls asleep, she sees Freddie go to, um, and Rod incidentally ends up in the dream too, cause he falls asleep. They see, I'm not sorry, not Rod, uh, Glenn does. So Nancy and Glenn see Freddie go to the prison and kill Rod. They run to the prison, find out he's dead. And then at the funeral, her mom, uh, Marge, who's a complete pain in the ass, um, they always yeah, are. she finds out what's going on. She takes her to a doctor, um, when she's asleep at the, they do like a sleep study. And while she's asleep, um, she runs into Freddie, of course, again. And he's like, how you doing? And she takes <laughs> his hat, wakes up and has his hat in her hands and her streak of her hair is turned white because of it, which became her signature through the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she reveals who it is. And her mom seems to know more than she's letting on. You find out that, uh, apparently, uh, Freddie was a child molester and murderer who, after killing 20 kids, uh, gets released on a technicality. And so all the parents in, um, you know, in Springfield or Spring, Springwood, excuse me, um, grab him, catch him and basically burn him alive, um, to, to get revenge or to get, you know, justice. So then he swears he's going to come back and kill all their kids. And this is what he's doing. So Nancy tells that to Glenn and, uh, she, ends up going to, or he goes to sleep and he gets killed. And then, um, I'm trying to think how he, he died. I think he just pulled him into the bed and there was like a big geyser of blood. If I remember that correctly. is correct. That, that is one of the big scenes I remember from that film, which he's, he's wearing. His, eats him. Yeah. He's got his giant headphones yeah. on. And there's also the classic scene where Nancy picks up the phone and Freddie sticks his tongue out and tries to French. He's like, let's French or something like that. Let's kiss. So, uh, Nancy's dad happens to be, uh, the police lieutenant who, uh, he believes her. So she, he busts into the house when she's, cause she's trying to get Freddie once, Freddie and Glenn and yada yada. So, um, then she goes to sleep, finds Freddie just in the last few minutes of sleep, grabs him. When she gets up, he happens to be in the room, but you don't see him at first. He jumps out behind the bed. Uh, then there's a big fight and his dad, you know, her dad gets involved and she's booby trapped the house. And so he's getting the crap beat out of him. And, uh, just as he's killing her mom, then, uh, she, let's see here. She turns her back on him and he like disappears cause she turns his back. Um, so you think it's all over. She leaves, you know, her dad's like, you know, happy she's alive and he's done his part and son's coming up and everything's happy. And then, uh, you suddenly realize that maybe it's not all what it seems. And her mom steps out. And, uh, it's like, huh, maybe it's a dream. And she goes over to the car with Glenn. It's his convertible. She gets in the car and it turns out that the car has material inside that's exactly like Freddy's red and green Christmas sweater. 
it locks her in. She drives away, and then a giant hand pulls out, spoilers, and grabs her mom and sucks her in through the door, the little window in the door, and you hear him laugh, and it's the end of the movie. And incidentally, there's throughout the movie, there's a scene with these little girls jumping rope, and they're singing the one, two, Freddy's coming for you, which is creepy. Yeah. Right. There's a scene where he's walking down hey. the alley where his arms are like six feet long, and he's scraping the wall with his glove. And I remember that one. Um, progressively, this series hey, got more silly. Yes. yes. Joel. Uh-oh. What? Did we just lose Mike? I'm back. <laughs> Again. Uh, one, two. Skype is coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Michael. <laughs> I was in the Skype zone and it was scary. <laughs> I'll so come talking for you, little piggy. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. <laughs> that got harsh quick. Imagine if so you were dimension beyond sight and sound. <laughs> Skype zone. <laughs> All right. So, Joel, you were talking about Motel Hell. Yeah. Before before we step into the new movies. Is that the one that had uh, Cliff Clavin in it? Uh, I believe, actually, he did have a, a short part. It's the one about where the, the two farm owners, uh, Rory Calhoun, just like a bunch of little Rory Calhouns, uh, plays a farmer, and he's got like a, a motel, and in the back he buries people up to their necks. Yes. And he okay, takes yeah, out their yeah. vocal cords and then he puts bags over their yeah. heads and basically farms them, more or less. Yeah, they, they, he turns them into beef jerky. Yeah. So, or chili. Yeah. Chili yeah. or beef jerky? No, chili is the was... Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Part two and three. Yeah. And that, I, the only thing I remember, because I remember seeing that in uh, Cliff Clavin, well, what's his name? John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger. Yes. He is in that in a very short time. And I remember him being buried up to his neck with a bag on his head and he's making like, Argh. Yeah, they make gurgling noises. It's very frightening. Yeah, and then they like he like ties nooses to all their necks and breaks all their necks at once with a tractor. It's 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 actually kind of a disturbing movie, but it's, it is. It's a little uh, B. Sure. But oh, it's very B in the best yeah. way possible. It aspires to be. I think it's more C or D. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, it still keeps you out of Tennessee. Rory That's Calhoun true. is fantastic. Well, speaking of that though, I, there was another movie I wanted to mention before you just finished. Um, another instance where a commercial when I was a child caused more damaged in the movie itself which i incidentally have never seen in 1981 before freddy ever entered into my realm of being there was a commercial called the boogans i have seen that movie not, not the boogeyman no the this is the boogans here's the plot and wikipedia the plot is literally about two sentences a small construction team of four men work to reopen an abandoned silver mine 100 years after a mysterious massacre forced the army to shut it down what they didn't know is that their excavating has inadvertently freed some amphibious reptilian creatures lurking beneath what's in the shafts. I don't know. No, it says lurking deep within the mine shafts. Sounds kind of like, um, what was that Stephen King book? The Late Shift? The Dark Shift? The Yeah, Late Shift. Night late Shift? shift yeah. Night Shift. Yeah. Night Shift. Not, yeah, there you go. With the rats or whatever? Yeah, the rats underneath. Yeah. It seems scarier at the time, but I think the Boogeyman came out around the same time, which is not uh, as good. Uh, as the Boogans? Oh, it didn't scare me as much. Oh, okay. Sounded to me like that's... the Mines of Moria. The miners dug too greedily and too deep. Have you? Have either of you seen the entire movie? No, I, I'd never heard of it until I saw it in the show notes. No, I've never, I've never seen it. I, I, I couldn't. I don't know if it's available. I put the trailer in the chat. Not that we need to play it, but I haven't watched the trailer and I didn't. Even... Oh, let's not play anything anymore. I'm tired of going. Away. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I gotta fix that. Um, I've seen it. I was on, or I watched it on HBO years ago, and it's, 
it's one of those where thankfully they go through the whole thing and they don't show the monsters to the very, very end. And all you see from them are these tentacles with, with, um, like fangs or hooks on them that pop out of things and pull you into the hole in the ground or pull you under the, under the car or. Well, it's not available on Netflix. It's on save, but it stars such famous actors as Rebecca Balding, Fred McCarran, Anne Mary Martin, Jeff Harlan, John Crawford, Med Flory, John Lormer, Peg Stewart, Scott Wilkinson, and Marsha Raider. The Ned Flory. Yeah, the the Med Flory. I think he worked with Ann Canfield. I think he is he the only one on IMDb that actually has a photo. (laughs) No, he doesn't have a photo. (laughs) All the rest of them have the silhouette. The director James L. Conway also directed Kindred: The Embraced, uh, Hangar 18, and a movie called Greatest Heroes of the Bible. (laughs) Wow, Wow. that's quite a uh, pedigree. That's ridiculous. Well, now I got to see the movie, and now it's not available on Netflix, so I don't know. I'm gonna have to track it down allegedly. So, Josh, what's up now, Dave? What's, what's up gear? now? Well, I, I believe some very key things about horror, and one of those things is that horror is the most intense emotion that a person can safely access at will. Because you've got like the big three would probably be terror, love, and hate. And it's very difficult for just the average person to summon up love for entertainment value at will, like the actual feeling of love. The sort of people who could somehow hate and be entertained by it at will are not the sort of people I'd like to meet, so you're pretty much left with terror. Mm -hmm. And terror is something that you have to be psychologically prepared to accept this as reality, to take it into yourself, and to allow yourself to feel fear. I was perfectly set up in that way when I first saw The Ring. You're talking about the 2002 <laughs> remake, right? I am talking, yeah, I, I still to this day have never seen the Japanese original. Okay. Um, there, there was a Penny Arcade. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm talking about The Ring. I'm so, sorry, not 2000. 2002, wait, which one, yeah. which one came first? What year was it? No, I know Ring, which one came yeah, first. Yeah, Ringu but, came oh. first, but... Uh, it was 2002. Okay, I'm sorry. I got confused because I was thinking it was... They were not that far apart from each other, though. No, they weren't. Ringu was 98. Okay, sorry. Right. Um, I, there was a Penny Arcade comic that s- summed up the way uh, I felt about the ring. It was like, I-, I wish I'd never seen the fucking ring. I-, I saw it and I was so scared I hid in the dryer for two days. It, uh, it haunted me for a long time. Just the disturbing images in the video itself, for people who haven't seen it, it it's the classic urban legend of a videotape that when you watch it, uh, there are these disturbing nightmare images, and then the phone rings, and you are told, you will die in seven days. You will die in seven days. So, yeah. It, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on this one, because The Ring, it is not my number one scary movie for, for now, but this one did freak me out, again, with the whole little girls thing. Thank you, Japan, for making little girls terrifying. <laughs> a funny thing about this movie is I purchased this on DVD. It's got to be nine years ago. Still wrapped up? Uh, no, I watched it this afternoon with my wife. It's the first time I watched it since I bought it. <laughs> Specifically for this show, to, to give it another shot. And it it, it holds up. Uh, there's definitely some disturbing things, especially uh, the scene where she's on the uh, ferry and there's a horse that starts to go berserk in her presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, That and the video itself, and then of course the infamous ending where it looks like everything's okay and then there's the brutal and sort of cruel twist. 
Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Um, those all affected me very to the point where I, I have those moments late at night when I'm alone and I look at the TV kind of nervous because I, I kind of think that it would be the uh, worst setup for a horror movie to live an entire lifetime. And then the, the, the twist is that horror is real. Yeah. Well, it did pretty much for TVs now what uh, Poltergeist did back then. Sure. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. I, mean, I watched, I rented The Ring, brought it home, put it on. As soon as Suzanne saw what it was, she got up and left. Sure. As is with my horror, you know, the horror movies. I sat, watched the whole thing. At that point, it was probably about 11.30-ish. Everyone's in bed. Great time to be walking around the house by yourself after watching that one. My daughter was, say, when I saw it, maybe five or six. Mm-hmm. So about the same at, age as Samara, maybe as, a little younger. Yeah, right around there. Had long hair at that time. I go to bed. Katie was one of those at that point, would not stay in bed. So she gets out of bed at one point or another and decided that she was going to wake Daddy up to see if, you know, you know that Daddy come, um, can't sleep type of thing. So in the middle of the night, she nudges me. I open my eyes and just see the silhouette of a long-haired little girl standing next to my bed. Did you wet the bed? I wet the bed. <laughs> I, I wet her bed and I wet the other beds in the house all at the same time. That's how fast I wet the bed. And to this day, Katie refuses to come in the bed. You know, she's like, I'm not talking to daddy when he's asleep. <laughs> he, when he does that, he just screams. And then he <laughs> smells like ammonia. I was going to say, you're talking about images that scared you in that movie. I think the, uh, the opening sequence where you see the girl in the closet that oh, yeah. mm, every time yeah. I see it, my whole body just goes like, I just feel like everything's just flushed out of me. It just, it's like, ugh. although we're going to get a lot of dissension because they're going to be like, it's a remake of a Japanese horror. There were Japanese, the original one. I've seen it. What'd you think? I, I didn't care for it. I, if I would have seen that first, I might not have been as, as likely to see this one. And I've seen some of the other ones and I've seen the grudge and the other sequels of that as well. And they just, it's like, Oh, kill after kill after kill after kill after kill. And it just seems like there's not a lot of story going on. Whereas here there's like, there's tension and there's story and there's build up and there's, there it's just kind of like, meh, 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 whatever. And I just, I don't know. I, I didn't care for the originals on either of those films more than I did the remakes. So do you like Japanese horror movies then? Or is it no, just I do. turned you off to them totally? No, I do. I just, I, and I think Japanese ghost stories with the little girls with the creepy hair that go, they make that little clicking noise as they're, moving backwards or upside down or whatever direction they're heading into your to kill you uh scares the crap out of me and my my son sometimes he'll start making that noise and he doesn't know that it what it is but he'll just do it as you know making a random noise he's walking around and i'll be like ah (laughs) well i'm going to call him and tell him (laughs) (laughs) good luck with that in the phone um, so just so the audience is clear, Joel, the ring was also your pick, correct? Yes. Which again, it it might get me mm-hmm. a little bit of like really kind of things from people that know me, but I, I I've seen it, I own it as as well, and I've seen it mm-hmm. maybe maybe as many times as I've seen The Exorcist, and sometimes I'll put it in. Same thing with The Grudge, which was right up there too. I'll put it in, and sometimes I won't even finish it because it'll be that you know that clicking noise. And the ghost coming and whatever it is about the combination of the girl, the hair, the the clicking, the whatever, just makes me go, yeah, I'm turning it off. Whereas the sequel to The Ring, The Ring 2, was one of the biggest pieces of crap I've ever seen. Whereas The Grudge 2 was awesome. 3 was not that great. I haven't seen any of The Grudges except for the first one. But in the way of uh, uh, J-Horror. That's another show. 
I can say there was one bit in the ring that uh, kind of bothered me was that uh, normally in horror movies, it's the villain who is indestructible. In this one, it seems to be the heroine, because there are at least two moments where Naomi Watts takes a shot that should have killed, like, a 250-pound man. Uh, when she uh, confronts the horse rancher, and he just straight-up clocks her in the skull with a horse bridle, yeah. a, a normal person in the movie just ends there because she's dead. Then later in the film where she gets uh, taken out by a TV and knocked down a well. Yeah, that's that's another one. I understand there's water down there, but the trip down hitting the sides, once again, yeah. dead. Well, that would be a short movie then. Right. No, and, and that was I was able to suspend my disbelief. That was something when watching it this afternoon. I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, she, she just took that metal... Big dude hit her in the head with this metal thing, and she grabs her head for a little while, but she's... Pretty much totally fine after that. Incidentally, I love Naomi Watts. I do. Oh, she's a great actress. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's a good actress, too. She's very good. Mulholland Drive. She's Australian. That's Australian for beer. <laughs> Naomi Watts? No. My wife and I both have things for Australian actors and actresses. She likes Australian actors, and I like Australian actresses. It's weird. Hmm. Strange. Anyway, what about you, Mike, since I've already given up my ghost, so to speak? Well... See, it's I'm gonna say saw, which I know you don't like this term. This term, but they kind of generated the what they call torture porn movies. Now, here's the thing: I watched Saw and I thought it was fantastic. The ending blew me away. You know, the uh, Wesley being the hero slash villain, kind of. You don't really like him too much in the movie, but in, you know, being the protagonist trying to get out of the room, I thought it was great. What it led into was like the movie Hostel, was these other Saw movies, was Human Centipede, and those sort of things. I've found that recently I can watch a ghost story with 99% no problem. Give me the ring, I'll freak out. But you give me a movie that has ghosts in it, has that supernatural aspect to it, I really don't have a problem with it. What I have a problem with and really freaks me out and scares me in movies is humans hurting other humans. You know, does that make sense? It totally makes sense. I'm with you so it's, far. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like Freddy, you know, Freddy or Jason. That won't mess me up because it's Freddy never dies. Jason never dies. It's fantastic. You know, they can't it's, kill him. It's exactly. over the top. It's unrealistic. There's a. But then on, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, what's the what's the not Devil's uh, Devil's Backbone? I was. That's exactly what I was about to say. Ugh. Is if you mm-hmm. have not seen it, I, I. It's one of my favorites. That's one Guillermo del Toro movie I don't care for. Ugh. I watched it and I literally at the end of it went, crap, <laughs> out loud. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not. I love every movie he's ever made except that one. Huh. Yeah, whereas really? it's, uh, I think I might actually like it better than, uh, oh, what's the more recent one that's very similar? Um, Pan's Labyrinth? I might actually like it better than Pan's Labyrinth. That one. Ooh, Pan's Labyrinth up. was good. I like that one a lot. But I mean, in Joel, um, Help me on this. Devil's Rejects? Re- Devil's Rejects. You're hitting Devil's all the Rejects, spots, Mike. Uh, what's the other one? House of, uh, House of, of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses. All the I watched spots. that one. Yeah. I watched that one. Those type of movies, like where they got the, maybe it's just freaky, rednecky, <laughs> you know, like hillbilly type people killing people or something, but it's that kind of psychotic person that could possibly exist. That's the thing that gets me is like, Jigsaw, while he does all this crazy stuff to put them in this situation, 
he's insane in the first saw, it's plausible. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, you can have some nut job that's following you around says, you know what? You don't respect your life enough. I'm going to make you, I'm going to teach you a lesson and you wind up, you know, handcuffed to a toilet somewhere. That where versus Freddy Krueger isn't going to step into your dreams. You know, the Jason isn't going to show up. You know, the, the girl from the ring does not exist. That I tell myself that all the time. And <laughs> she does not exist. <laughs> she does not exist. So that sort of thing um, doesn't bug me as much as one person hurting another person, either for pleasure or for terror or for whatever. That's the that's the thing that gets me. That's the thing that horrifies me now. Whereas previously, I would watch. I mean, what was the uh, what was the big no no to watch when we were growing up? Uh, faces of death. Uh, faces of death. Yeah. Back then, didn't affect me. It was just kind of like, meh. Nowadays, that sort of thing would freak me the hell out. Can I tell a quick story about Faces of Death? Please. Are you in it? The very first time I saw Faces of Death, I was with uh, a couple of friends of mine, and one of them being a gentleman by the name of Brad, who I haven't talked to in a long time. Brad's like, hey, let's watch a movie and hang out. All right, Brad. So we go to Brad's house. Brad's like, here. Whatever. Let's go grab a pizza. All right. Let's go grab a pizza, come back, get a pizza, puts in a movie, it's Faces of Death. So, the very first time I'm watching Faces of Death, I'm eating pizza, and uh, the goal was, because we're a bunch of guys, to make it through the movie while you're eating the pizza. And I did. And I never Gosh. wanted to see it again. That's good for, yeah. See, I, ugh. So, and, but that's that's the thing, so the, the hurting of other people type of thing, that's really the thing that messed me up. Given well, you know, what, oh, go ahead. No, please, I'm going to go on a little rant. I was going to say, given what uh, bothers Mike, I want to see if either of you have seen The Purge. Yeah, I just saw it about a week Not ago. Not yet. Okay, because that's one that I've had on my list to, to check out. What would you think of it, Joel? I enjoyed it. I, I, I like Ethan Hawke. He started doing horror recently, and uh, which he just did. Um, that other movie, Sinister, I couldn't think of the name, that uh, had a great first two acts in the last act that just kind of shit the bed. But... um. I liked it. I, I I thought it was well done. It did kind of turn into something different than what it promised. But ultimately, at the end of it, I was like, wow, that was a really well-conceived storyline of something that's theoretically plausible and created characters that, at the end of it, you cared for the ones you were supposed to care for to an extent, and the ones that you didn't care for, you kind of, I don't know, it was it was it's like there was no, there was no real hero or, or villain. It was just the human at its most base you know and uh i I recommend it i know a lot of people didn't care for it because they were expecting something else but i thought it was very well done personally Hmm. now the movie see that's a movie that it's not even on my list it's 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 good now you talk about torture point and i've already you've already made it clear that i don't I, i don't believe in that term i think it's a buzzword that they created to sell tickets to uh eli roth movies and i i think eli roth is one of the great horror directors of the past 20 years but um, I, I would call a lot of that, I would put that more in the survival horror genre where it's, you know, can you get through this night? Um, whatever the case may be, insert. And then you've got your hillbilly, you know, your redneck horror, like your wrong turns and your stuff like that. Um, and Saw turned into a giant soap opera. It's seven movies of, of, you know, increasingly ridiculous subplots, but it was very well done and I enjoy all of them. I think this whole Saw franchise was brilliant. I, I love it. I've watched it several times in a row. Not in a row, but over. Um, and Rob Zombie movies, I, I, Rob Zombie is a man crush, so I love all of his films. But, um, House of a Thousand Corpses is a love song to Chainsaw Massacre and 70s exploitation. 
Devil's Rejects is a road movie. Halloween is a retelling of Michael Myers from the killer's perspective instead of the heroine's. Uh, and part two was uh, a kind of a look inside of a serial killer's mind. Um, again, with focusing a little bit more on the heroine, but still making the killer, the not the hero, but the focus. Um, and Lords mm-hmm. of Salem is just a flat out, that's 70s, uh, supernatural um, pays a lot of tribute to uh, Italian horror, you know, bright, colorful, kind of slow-paced movies. But anyway, I went off on a sidetrack. So okay, no, no, I mean, we're still talking about horror movies. Anything else? I mean, what are your runners-up on the uh, movies from now? We've already gotten into one of mine, which was Devil's Backbone. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm trying to think of what else uh, I, I was really getting into from uh, more recent times. Uh, give me a minute here. How about you, Mike, while I'm looking up? Well, like I said, it's the the movies that really mess with me are the ones where people are hurting other people, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but on that same same thing, uh, another movie that really kind of freaked me out, I mean, you have that whole genre is number two for me. Have any of you seen The Mist? Oh my gosh, that's such an amazing movie. Frank Darabont is just a genius. See, I've never seen it, but it's one of my favorite Stephen King uh, stories. Stories. I've not read the story, so I can't speak to it. But you know, Stephen King, I've heard The Shining is amazing, but the movie is not like the book. But the movie is amazing, so I, I'm taking them as separate entities, kind of like the Crow comic versus the movie. Um, the, the Mist, seriously, is I, that shocked the hell out of me when I saw it at how good it was. Now, the Mist. The thing is that what I like, what I think that disturbed me about the about the the Mist is you initially don't want. Let me try and rephrase this. It doesn't seem like it's a movie about people hurting other people, about a people and this interaction between. But everything that goes on in that grocery store is is the thing that I hate. You know what I mean? The it's the people going up against each other, people blaming each other. This is you are the reason why this is happening. We're going to kill you. We kill you. Everything's going to go away. It almost seems like in that initial uh, situation in the grocery store that the monsters, everything's coming in, is nothing. That really is secondary to what's happening with the interaction between everybody in the grocery store and the psychotic. Uh, uh, Bible thumping own, uh, woman at the grocery store. You kind of see and that the, uh, in the best zombie fiction too, where the zombies are the natural disaster, but the real monsters are the humans. And that's Sorry to cut oh yeah, you off there. that's my favorite yeah, no. kind of uh, favorite kind of of horror story though. For me, is you've got an overwhelming odd of some sort, whether it be you know monsters in the mist or or zombies or you know robots from Mars, whatever. You've got this group of small people that really don't have as big of chance of surviving, yet you see human nature at its, you know, at, at the b- bare bones kind of fighting for survival. And you see their real personalities come out and they go to extremes and they either work together or they don't. And I don't know. That to me just the human drama is what I love. And so the mist played that perfectly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, um, that and the other thing that really, messed me up can we have spoil i'm calling spoilers for this one so Big if you time. haven't seen it yeah what is it um when he shoots his son at the end which apparently was not i i guess was not part of the original ending i don't know how the book was it goes. josh I've, i haven't read the story it's been years and i i, oh, I do remember uh fond memories of it but i can't i, I thought that the uh missed short story had uh an ambiguous ending 
it seemed like I'd read somewhere that either he fought for that ending, that that Thomas Jane fought for that ending, that actually is the one that they used, versus the mm-hmm. one where it would have been kind of the you know Happy Little Elves kind of ending. If yeah. if I'm remembering correctly, um, I'm trying to look it up here real quick as we're talking. Yeah, because I know that the thing that, like I said, the thing that really got me was that he reached a point where killing his killing his son to save him was the only option they had at that point. And then when the army troops come walking in at the very end of it, that just, you know, it tore me up even more. Didn't like that at all. I mean, that was another one of those, like, senseless death type things. Again, with having kids and that sort of, and that really affects you a lot more when you see that situation come up. Joel, did you? Did I? Did you have that same kind of range? I, I, I was so knocked out at the end of that movie because... Not only did it have the oncoming storm and you didn't know what was out there initially and, and, and Frank Darabont built this huge tension and, uh, everything was, you know what's going to happen. I mean, there was, there was nobody was safe. You didn't even know what was really going on. And then when you finally got to see it, you're like, okay, this is going to be silly. And then when you realize what had actually going on, it was, it was extremely frightening. I found myself going, oh my God, you know, what if this happened? And, and it's completely fiction, but the way they do it in such a way that you, I literally was like, this is, scary as hell and then when the end happened having kids you're like in a way he made the right choice but what ultimately happens is so much worse than what would have happened that i just i I sat there like my jaw on the floor just like oh my Mm -hmm. god i felt bad for this guy that wasn't even a real person it was just a character in a movie and i kept wondering what happened after you know what how was he gonna live when everything was basically over and back to normal and yet he had just helped kill his entire family yeah. It looks like the novella, just refreshing myself real quickly here, the ending is completely different, where uh, a lot of the people, including his son from the grocery store, uh, survive, but the situation does not end. They are still in the mist. They have left the grocery store. They are fleeing, driving south for hours, uh, and New England is like covered in monsters from the mist. And uh, it, I was correct in that there was kind of an ambiguous ending where there's overwhelming static as they're listening to the radio, and one word makes it through, the word Hartford. And uh, they basically, it ends ambiguously with them headed for Hart, uh, for Hartford. Well, say what you will about Darabont. <clears throat> the man is, uh, he makes good television and films. No, That's it's, I mean, it's you know really messed up movie. And uh, the... Creatures were amazing, though, too. Yeah, no, it's so well done. And I really, when I went into it, I was expecting to hate it. I, I thought, I'm going to watch this because it's got Thomas Jane in it, who I like. It's Stephen King, which I like. It's, you know, everything about it was something I would enjoy, but it just, I had this feeling it was just not going to be, you know, Moon Rocks and, and the Devil. But I can say that uh, even though I've never seen yeah, the film, uh, mm-hmm. I ha- used the uh, John Carpenter soundtrack for many, many years when uh, doing horror role-playing games. Oh, really? So it, cool. it's one of the most effective scores ever. Well, I highly recommend you see it. And, and you know, maybe if you've read the book, you might have a different take on it than we do. But even just as a, a film goes, it's it's excellent, If you even if you take out the horror aspect and, and the book. It's just a well-made movie in general. Mm-hmm. I look forward All to right. seeing it now. And can I just say, isn't it about time for us to get a remake of Nightbreed? No. Oh my God, yeah. 
What do you mean, no? No. Why would you not want it's, that? It's perfect as it is, though. Oh, so okay. You scared the oh. hell out of me for a second there, Joe. Yeah, no, okay, I love good. Nightbreed. I, I, I thought you were about to take the role of Pat for a little bit here. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I love Nightbreed, and they're releasing a special edition on Blu-ray, and I'm excited because I don't own it on DVD, and oh. so it'll be my first time actually owning it. Uh, no, that's that's one of mine that I is, just, is like a secret little passion that I have is that movie. And I, I guess if it was put in the right hands, uh, it could be good. You know, oh, I'm not yeah. opposed to yeah. remakes. I shouldn't say that. It's it's one of no. my all-time favorites, and I love Clive Barker's Cabal. Uh, if anything, it's one of those where it's very uh, faithful to Cabal, but mm-hmm. the book is even better. So if you haven't read Cabal, I highly recommend you go check it out because it's yeah it gets more into Decker's character. It gets more into each of the Nightbreed monsters that live in Midian. You get a lot more background yeah. on each of the characters. And can I just say, and I'm sorry, I keep, I, this is my, my sweet spot is horror, but uh, David Cronenberg's character in the movie, which he plays what, Dr. Decker? Decker? Yeah. Decker, yeah. I, to this day, that's such an iconic mask that he uses. <clears throat> it, I love it. If I could have a little action figure of him in that mask, I would, I would put oh. it on the shelf. And uh, Pelequin's like flesh dreads. It's yeah. it's just a great movie. It really oh, so is. Good. Man, I want to watch it, it tonight was. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another one that I think is. I don't think we're going to get a remake for, but is good enough that we can go back and watch it and enjoy it. Like um, the other vampire movie from the eighties, Near Dark. That oh, is I... that is another great movie. See, when you said other vampire movie from the eighties, I thought you were going to say Lost Boys, which I is you're going to say that too. One of my all-time favorite soundtracks, like period, of any f- oh, yeah. movie. I- Lost Boys. I I rewatched it just to double check and make sure I still liked it. Still do. Listen to the album yesterday. The whole thing. It's an excellent album. There's there's songs in there that aren't my favorite, but as a whole, that that soundtrack is amazing. I, I have to say, I like Near Dark better. Okay, Sorry. Near Dark <laughs> right. is probably a better horror movie. But there's just something about because it's got that Brat Pack, Kiefer Sutherland, Corey's thing going. The Frog Boys, mm-hmm. Frog Brothers, what is that? Right. Uh, Al, Albert and Phineas Frog. And if anybody out there thinks, hey, there's a re- there's a uh, sequel to Lost Boys, don't don't. There's no. two sequels to it. No. <laughs> yeah, and they're both horrible. So, but now speaking of Patrick and his. Always not liking. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to have a call from Patrick, but right before we cut to that, I do want to answer your question, Mike, because I mm-hmm. I had one modern uh, runner-up, which is a favorite of mine, though I don't know it necessarily scared me. It is okay. uh, the modern film Trick or Treat. I know we're oh, talking about yes. yeah. such a great movie. We were talking about like the old Trick or Treat. This is not a remake. This is uh, a imagining of like a horror comic book movie with just an awesome cast. Tam O'Pennicott, uh, in the first scene, uh, you've got... Mm-hmm. Brian Cox? Brian Cox, sure. It's in the, it's in the same genre as Creepshow and the Twilight Zone. It's movie. an anthology. Right. Yeah. They don't, they don't make those as often. They don't make them as nearly as much as they should anymore. Anna Paquin? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the name I was reaching for when I stopped naming, uh, stars. But it's... I only discovered it, I want to say two years ago, and I was just blown away by how much I liked it. 
Oh, yeah. I have it sitting out upstairs. Uh, I've got all my Halloween movies. Not all of them, but I've got a bunch of Halloween movies out that I've been watching progressively over the, 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 the month. And that's still sitting out as one of my last ones to watch. Um, it's so good. Um, Though I will tell you that little pumpkin head dude from it. Sam. Uh, Sam the Pat. Yeah, Sam the pumpkin head. Freaky. Uh, the issue on that one is I work, I work at a store that sells food and we have holiday cookies out right now that have a little guy dressed as a clown with this big old <laughs> cookie head oh, and awesome. it's a pumpkin. It's a pumpkin cookie head. I'll take a picture of it when I get to work and I'll send it to you guys, but mm-hmm. it looks just like him. And it, it, no, I don't, almost to the point where I'm like, I don't want to eat those. They're delicious, but I don't want to eat those because I'm afraid that he'll kill me from inside my head. But <laughs> okay, can I throw in a, an honorable mention that didn't scare me, but that if we're talking about Halloween, since we I don't know what we're doing for Halloween just yet, uh, as far as beyond our initial topic, uh, uh-huh. it's a little known movie that uh, is in my top favorite Halloween movies to watch on Halloween. It's called Satan's Little Helper. Uh, it's directed by Jeff Liebman, also written by Jeff Liebman. It's available on Netflix to stream. It's about a little boy who uh, his mom is Amanda Plummer uh, of Pulp Fiction fame. Mm-hmm. He has a game called Satan's Little Helper. It's a little on a little handheld system, and he loves it. And it's just a sick and wrong game. But his mom lets him play it because it keeps him entertained. And he believes that, uh, you know, he wants to be Satan's little helper. So for Halloween, he dresses up as Satan, and he's going to be his helper. Meanwhile, there's a serial killer on the loose that dresses in a very strange mask and a long overcoat. And it's just kind of doesn't talk ever in the whole movie. But he's a he's a regular person. It's not like he's a Freddy or jason or michael myers he's just a regular guy in a mask that's killing people and arranging them on their front porch and a halloween pose so that nobody notices him because they think they're decorations well he runs into the kid the kid befriends him he starts helping the bad guy the kid starts helping the bad guy thinking that he's satan from his game and he starts helping this guy kill everybody in the town and eventually the guy decides he's going to kill the kid's family and that's where the real drama comes in and it's funny it's extremely well made it's campy it's kind of b-grade in a way but by the end of that movie i was like holy crap have i never seen this it was made in 2004 and Hmm. jeff liebman not a lot of people know the name he's done a lot of well-known movies that are kind of small like just before dawn um you may have seen uh he did a movie called remote control um that uh is kind of a cult classic uh squirm uh, was remote control the pseudo sequel to rocky horror it's a video store clerk. He stumbles onto an alien plot to take over the earth by brainwashing people with bad 50s science fiction movies. No, I have not seen that. I ha- What was the other one that Squirm. you said? Squirm. That's like the one that most people know. Uh, yeah, I know that one. Uh, that's one of his earliest films. But he, he's making movies. It's actually, they're screening it at the Alamo Draft House in New York um, as part of the Halloween stuff. And it's, 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 like I said, it's on Netflix. It's easy to get. Um, I highly, highly recommend it for Halloween. It's nice. Beautiful. Awesome. So Patrick. Patrick is calling in because he is currently en route to us. So he is going to be out in this area soon and he will be, uh, joining us live. Like I said, doesn't matter. Still sounds the same over the radio, no matter where he's sitting. But he is going to be chiming in with, uh, Hellraiser. All right. So let's listen to that now. When I was a kid, I remember being very scared by the movie Hellraiser. It used to freak me out. I remember, you know, hearing about this new guy. Clive Barker, who was supposed to be the newest thing in Scare. At that point, everybody only heard, had heard about 
uh, Stephen King, and everybody was into Stephen King. And then Clive Barker came along, and there was all this hype and all this talk about, you know, the new guy in town and how good he was and everything. And I watched that movie, and it freaked me out. It was just really, you know, really scary. Um, the demons were just, and, and people had never seen before, so they were really creepy and really scary. So all my life, I've been, you know, remembering that movie in that way. And I went back and watched it. Sadly, it does not hold up over time. <laughs> the demons are still very creepy and scary, but it's just, there's they're so underused. There's so many things they could have done. There's so many weird questions about this movie. It's very, it's very dated. It's not scary at all anymore. I mean, there's only one scene where I actually kind of jumped and it was just a very manufactured, you know, cat jumps out of the side of the screenway, you know, and I mean, it just, there was no uncomfortable feeling anymore. There was no, I mean, the special effects looked other than the special effects of the demons, which did, did hold up. They, they did look creepy. I'll give them that. But you know, there were just so many things in the movie that just didn't make sense anymore and that, that I didn't catch as a kid, you know, that just really took me out of the, you know. I mean, first of all, why did the blood from the very first person even cause him to start assembling and resurrecting and get away from the demons? It was never even explained why that started in the first place, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that, um, that she was able to get these guys into this creepy attic room you know, and no one said anything. Nobody freaked out. Nobody's like, "Hey, why are you taking me up here?" You know, I mean, it was just there were so many things about it that just it just did not translate well anymore. Um, Hellraiser, you know, as a child, I would give it like probably you know three and a half, four stars out of five. As an adult, I give it like one and a half, maybe. Yeah, that's my review on Hellraiser. Bye. All right, so that's Patrick and his uh, take on Hellraiser, and let's wish him well as he gets up here. And everybody, happy Halloween! We're going to have a show next week. We're going to be watching the original Halloween up against the 2007 Rob Zombie remake, just to appease Joel, because he loves Rob Zombie. Oh, yeah, it'll be our Halloween show, as in recorded on Halloween, even though it will be uh, a little bit into November by the time it reaches you guys. Yeah, we're going to work on the timing for next year, folks, but our Christmas show will be dead on. <laughs> um, Thanksgiving show, I, if you want one, let us know. We'll discuss Thanksgiving. Um, <gasps> if you want to get in touch with us, you can call, you can email us at 40go14 at gmail.com or send us a message on our Facebook page. Just look for 40 going on 14. We look forward to hearing from all of you. You can also look up, uh, Josh. What are you doing lately, Josh? You're streaming some videos. Uh, yeah, I haven't recorded a uh, new one in, uh, it's gotta be about a week now. Uh, I've, I've had some, Picking up a lot of extra shifts at the comic book shop. But uh, you can always find me by searching for my – I'm known online as Doc Stout. Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. when I am not able to get Doc Stout, you'll find me as Doc Stout 076. So that's that's where I can be found. There we go. And Joel, what do you have? Uh, of course, as usual, I've got my other two podcasts, uh, The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, which is available through all your major podcasting places like iTunes. Um I also have another one called The Undercover Unitards, which is a four-man comedy podcast, and you can find that also through all your fine podcasting directories, as well as TalkShoe um, for both shows and this show as well. Um, and don't forget, if you've not gone to the Facebook page for 40 Going On 14, you can go there and check out Pat's stellar comic um, second round, I guess. he's already That wasn't his debut, so... No, um, his second uh, second time up at the uh, comedy club. The ha-ha hole. Uh, I don't know where he's at. I don't know. But check yeah, it out. It's it good. Somewhere down in Texas. It's very so, And he's pretty funny. So, I mean, he's actually really funny. So check out that video on there, and uh, you, we'll be hearing from You got anything What's going that? on, Mike? Uh, <laughs> typing up blog posts, typing up making a podcast. Other than that, that's what I have running. 
All right. What you listening to? Speaking of things that are worth listening to, just I'm going to do a completely unsolicited plug for a uh, horror slash comedy podcast that I've recently discovered. This kind of fits our theme tonight. Cool. Uh, if you have not checked out Night Vale Radio, it is awesome. It I've is heard like a lot of good things. It's like Prairie Home Companion meets H.P. Lovecraft meets Fringe. Ooh. Oh, I'm in. You hit all the sweet spots. So <laughs> it is so good. It, it's got that like American Southwest small town, but with all sorts of really creepy things, various sets of unmarked helicopters, and there there's a whole like warning segment telling you whether it's okay to be outside with your children based on the color of the unmarked helicopters. What? Oh dear! That's just <laughs> in the first Night Vale, and I guess uh, they have sort of an overarching story as you listen to dozens of episodes. Uh, I, I've only gotten a little bit into it, but it's so, so well produced. Sounds good. So there you go. You got Night Vale Radio that Josh is telling us uh, sounds good, and I'm definitely going to check it up. Um, like I said, if you guys want to hear, for, want to tell us anything, why can't I get that right? <laughs> 40go14 at gmail.com and check us out on Facebook. Hope to hear from you. I'll say goodbye and Josh and Pat, Josh and Joel. Good night, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And don't forget 40go14.com. Whoa, uh, 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 uh.